It was great to see the Seahawks win, right? It was a good game. How many of you guys watched the Seahawks game? How many of you guys watched the Cowboys just fall apart? It was just incredible. I'm sorry if anybody's a Cowboys fan, but I am not. Judges 6 and Romans 8. That is my password. I entered it right. Thank you. You guys there? We're going to talk about the Lord, our peace tonight. Um, and as we've been walking through this Promises series, we our key scripture is in Second Peter. And it says this, that you would grow in the knowledge of God. And, and as we come to understand the names of God and see some of the promises that he gives us through those, I really think it's helping us round out the understanding that God is so much more than just our Savior. But he's involved in our day-to-day life in so many great ways. You know, we talk about this idea of peace, and I was trying to think about times that I don't have peace. Anybody ever sent a risky text message to somebody? Anybody, right? Like, guys, like, we all know that feeling. You've been texting this girl for, like, months, and it's all culminated to this moment, and you've had the text in your head for, like, days, and you finally said, hey, we should uh, hang out sometime. Send. And, like, isn't it funny how that text conversation, they've been responding, like, instantly all day? And then you send that, and it feels like time just stops, right? And then you see the three dots, if you have an iPhone, because that's the only acceptable cell phone, right? And so if you have an iPhone, you see the three dots, and you're staring at it, and it's like they're just taunting you. And you're instantly thinking in your head, well, I might as well just shave my head and move to Mongolia because she's not responding, right? And like, and all the, all the responses, like you see her crying, and it just feels awkward in your head, and you're not quite sure. You just don't have peace in that moment, you know what I mean? How many guys have ever been low on money and ran your debit card to buy something and it says authorizing for like just a second too long and you're like, I'm going to have to explain why my card didn't go through when my card's broken. No, you don't have any money, right? Like you don't have peace in that moment or, or when, when everybody has that friend that says something that they're not supposed to generally at the worst time, right? And you just feel, ah, oh, you just have that unsettling spirit feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys right now, you're thinking about your future, and it feels like that text message. You just don't know exactly where you're at, and it just feels this unsettling. You don't have peace. And I kind of want to make the cause the case tonight, that peace, when, when we're in relationship with God, peace transcends emotion and transcends circumstance. And really, the peace that we're going to talk about tonight has more to do with the settling of our spirit than it does with feeling good about circumstance and emotion. And so we see this name of God introduced in Judges 6 through the story of a guy named Gideon. Gideon was a judge. Judges were people that helped remind the people of Israel that God is important. And so we see Gideon at this time. God comes to talk to Gideon, and it's a time that the people of Israel are actually inhabited by another country. Another country has taken them over, and it's going really bad for the people of Israel. And Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press, and that means absolutely nothing to us. But basically what that means is this. He was hiding what he was doing out of concern that he would be caught. And so we see someone who's already fearful of his circumstance and his situation, probably lacking some peace. And God comes to him and he says, hey, Gideon, you mighty warrior, I am with you. And you have to understand Gideon was in essence the lowest of the low among the people of Israel. He was from the weakest tribe and the weakest family within that tribe. And so that term mighty warrior to him was a joke, right? No, God, do you know who I am? I'm not a mighty warrior. And God tells Gideon, no, I'm going to use you 
to bring freedom to the people of Israel. And Gideon's response is, let me remind you, first of all, it's probably, I think you have the wrong person. Second, I don't really think that this is God. Can you prove yourself? And he asks for a sign. God gives the sign, and Gideon goes to offer a sacrifice up to God. And it says this in Judges 6, uh, verses 23 to 24. It says this. The Lord said to him, peace to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it is still an Ophrah of the somethingites. I'm not going to pronounce that. But I want to I focus on that. The Lord said to him, Peace to you, and do not fear. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. Let's pray. God, I pray just as we take the next couple minutes to understand an aspect, a characteristic of you, God, I pray that it would lead to us engaging you in a different way tonight. God, we thank you so much that peace through you does not have to be an emotion, but even in the midst of turmoil, tough decisions, and even in moments when we don't feel at peace with ourselves, God, you can help with that. And I pray we come to understand that better tonight. In your name, amen. See. So we have to understand the definition of this word peace has nothing to do with emotion. And, and, and when God says this to Gideon, peace be with you, that word peace means more to do with contentment and a settling of your spirit. In essence, God is saying this, peace be with you because I am with you. The outcome is already decided. And so Gideon could walk forward in peace in that moment because peace had nothing to do with circumstance. It was the settling of his spirit and the fact that the outcome had already been decided. And when we're working with God and when we're in relationship with God and when God's working in our lives, we can have the same type of peace. So there's three things that God as peace means to us. And I just want to walk through those real quick and we'll be done tonight. The first one is this. God as peace means this. We can have peace in the midst of turmoil. We can have peace in the midst of turmoil. It, it's interesting to me that we would look at things like anxiety, fear, stress, and the goal would be to remove those things, right? A lot of us spend a lot of our lives trying to put ourselves in situations where we're not stressed and put ourselves in situations where there's nothing to risk. In essence, we're constantly looking for calm and for peace, right? And yet, I would argue that stress, anxiety, they are just parts of life, unfortunately. You know, when a young adult comes to Brittany or I and says, I'm just so stressed right now. It's like, welcome to the club. We all are, right? But this is the cool thing is that in the midst of turmoil, we're going to see in the book of Philippians, it says this, we can still be anxious for nothing. In the midst of turmoil, we can still have peace. In Philippians 4, it says this, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Verse 7, in the peace of God. That word's important, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, in the New Testament, we see three types of peace listed. There is peace from God, which is his gift to us. There's peace with God, which is the result of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And then we see in this Philippian scripture, the peace of of God. In essence, it's a characteristic of God that is offered to us. And that peace of God comes from an externally all-powerful, always happy, always content God. In essence, a God who lacks nothing, like we talked about two weeks ago, Yahweh. 
who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere present. If anything has, if anyone has a right to have peace at all times, it's God. That God, that, that peace that that God has, that peace of God, let that be yours. Which is interesting because in essence what we're talking more about is peace is an outworking of our relationship with God. More than it is an understanding or clarifying or being able to trudge through circumstance. Because let's be honest, we are all facing circumstances right now that we should not have peace in. And yet if we're walking out the will of God, there's always a settling of our spirit. That says, hey, I may not have the emotion of peace, but I still know that my direction is cemented because I have a settling of my spirit. It says in the book of John, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace is what I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have trouble, but take courage, I have overcome the world. See, a lot of us look at opposition, a lack of peace, stress as a reason to tap out. And I would argue that it might mean you're headed in the right direction. The question becomes this, do you have a settling of your spirit about it? Because in Philippians, as we read, it says this, be anxious for nothing, the peace of God which surpasses your understanding, that will guard your hearts and your minds. I think the biggest mistake young adults make is we decide on circumstance and we decide on emotion when really what should be guiding us and what should be protecting our hearts and saying, no, keep going, is whether or not we have a settling of our spirit, if we have a peace. That is how we keep plowing ahead in tough times. Number two is this. Number one, we have peace in turmoil. Number two is we have peace in tough decisions. We have peace in tough decisions. How many guys are facing a tough decision right now? Anybody have something in your life where you're like, I just don't know what to do? How many guys have faced one before and you're kind of hoping you're still waiting to see if you made the right one, right? We all have those in our lives. What college do I go to? Do I date this person? Do I marry that person? You want to talk about feeling anxious. That's a big decision. Well, it's forever, right? Do, what, what career do I take? Where do I head? I remember when Brittany and I, the day, I've told this story, but it applies here. The day Brittany and I decided, or the day that I asked Brittany, she had already decided we were going to date. I just didn't know it yet. The day, the day that I asked Brittany to date me, I remember she came down to Centralia, where I was living at the time, and I had planned, like, I was going to ask her in the morning, and we could spend all day posting selfies and make it Facebook official, and it would just be a great day, right? Because you're not officially dating if it's not on Facebook, right? We all agree with that? Okay, good. There has to be an Instagram picture that everybody can like, and then you have to, the only reason Facebook exists is so you can find out who's in a relationship, and then you look at the pictures on Instagram, right? Yeah, okay. So anyways, we go to the first coffee shop, just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So stressed. Freaking the heck out. Did not know the outcome of my question. And, and Brittany, it's so funny because I told Brittany my side of the story, and she's like, why do you think I drove down there? I was going to say yes. And it's like, well, I didn't know that, right? And so uh, I take her to a coffee shop, nothing. Um, we go to my grandparents' house because I just needed emotional support, I guess, which was a stupid decision. And we get to my grandparents' house. I'm not kidding you. My mother calls because apparently my whole family was, like, live texting the event. I had no idea. And 
my grandma answers the phone. She goes, Ed and his Brittany are here. And Brittany hears that. And I was like, she doesn't know yet. Thanks, Grandma. You totally ruined that, right? Drive to Olympia. I had ran out of coffee shops in Centralia. Had nowhere left to take her. Drive to Olympia. Go to every coffee shop. I'm not kidding. I bought eight coffees that day. Go to every coffee shop I can think of. I am just, just on the inside in turmoil. I'm freaking out, right? And we're walking around the Capitol. The sun is setting. She needs to go home. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. I know this is what I need to do. I need to just do it. So I start, I say, hey, I have a question for you. And it's funny because, like, I mean, I have a pretty deep voice, but in that moment, I was like, I have a, <clears throat> give me a second. Sorry. I have a question for you. And I say, I, and I start saying, I'm like, hey, I think you're really cool and I want to date. And I just, I just, I, I can talk, right? And so I'm just talking and talking. She's not saying anything, anything at all. And I'm avoiding eye contact at all costs because I don't know. I just felt weird about it. And so, and she, I finish and I finally say, hey, I'm going to stop talking because I feel stupid. And she doesn't say anything, like nothing. Doesn't, and we argue over these details, but my version is right. And she says, I'm like, you're not so, are you going to say anything? And she's like, well, I just liked hearing you say all those nice things about me. But I felt anxious. I was freaking out. But deep down inside, I knew this was the right thing to do. And when it comes to making tough decisions, I guide myself by this verse, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule means this, to guide and direct. In essence, let the settling of your spirit dictate what decisions you make. And I'm not talking about, all right, Jesus, what clothes do I wear today? Do I take the long way or the short way to work? No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this. When you face a decision that is beyond your pay grade, when you don't know what to do, take it to God and ask for the settling of your spirit. When I moved to Centralia from Portland, I had a great life in Portland. And moving to Centralia made no sense. But I knew that I knew that this was the place for me to go. And when my friends were saying, why are you leaving Portland? My response was, I can't explain it. It just, I, it is the thing I have to do. Let that be the peace that guides and directs you. Not the peace that people use as a cop-out. Please do not blame a lack of peace from God. When you're saying, I don't, I'm really scared, so I just don't have peace about it. No, it's not. You may be scared, but know the right thing to do. You may be anxious, but know the right thing to do. You may not understand how it's going to work out, but know the right thing to do. Let the settling of your spirit guide and direct your decisions. And I would encourage you, do not let your emotions dictate what you do. I'm going to go on a tangent. They're always about a minute. Just hold on. It frustrates me when the response is it felt like the right thing to do. I don't know. Just, I just chose to do it. I was just, you made it in 30 seconds, right? You met her yesterday. You don't know if you love her yet, for heaven's sakes. Your boss had a bad day. Don't quit your job, right? Hey, you need money. You should get a job. We make these decisions based on convenience and emotion. And we throw out, I just don't feel it as a cop-out, because this is the hard thing with I don't feel it, is I can't argue with that. And it removes the accountability for your decision. The other statement we use that removes accountability for our decisions is God told me. Awesome. Great. You can't sleep with her before you're married. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care that God told you. It needs to line up with the Word of God as well as all the other people in your life that help you make good decisions. 
If you are going to pull the God told me and it feels right card, you better be ready to take responsibility if it doesn't work out. Because this is the frustrating thing. God told me, when it doesn't work out, who takes the blame? Well, God told me to do it. It didn't work out. God must have been wrong. No, he wasn't. And he wants nothing to do with that decision. The question becomes this. Are you really walking in the will of God in accountability with people in your life that know you and know your tendencies to make decisions? And are you letting the peace, the settling of your spirit, be the thing that dictates your decisions? If you're going to pull the, I just don't feel it card, make sure you're ready to own it. There's nothing worse than a young adult that won't own the responsibility for their actions. Say, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to own it. And then let people walk it out with you. Please, please, please don't decide who you're going to date without advice. Please, don't. Please don't decide where you're going to go to college without talking to your parents. Please don't make huge life decisions on an island. It is good for you to have a settling of your spirit. It's good for you to own the decision, but take people along the decision-making process with you. Last one is this. We have peace with ourselves. So first, we have peace in turmoil. Second, we have peace in tough decisions. And lastly, we have peace with ourselves. I know what it's like to not be at peace with myself. I know what it's like to lay my head on my pillow and know there's a discrepancy between who I want to be, and who I am. I know what it feels like to make a poor decision and need to own it and be so scared to death about owning a poor decision. I know what it feels like to see life starting to fall apart and asking the question, how did I get here? I know what it's like to not be in sync with myself. And this is the problem with that, is as we're on the journey of God working in us to work through us, the peace and the tension between who we are and who we're trying to become really should be owned by God. We take this emotion and grab a hold of, and, and we stay in this state of condemnation because we can't come to peace with ourselves. And there's times when that's okay, and that's called conviction. It should lead you to change. But a lot of times we find ourselves in condemnation and we get stuck because we don't have this peace. Well, this is the cool thing about our relationship with God. And go to Romans 8, and that's where we're going to land tonight. We're just going to walk through a chunk of scripture, but this is the cool thing with God. Is in the fact that God sent his son to die for you. That he paid the price for you. We're going to talk about this next week. What's the difference between righteousness and, and how do we get it and all that kind of stuff. But in essence, the nutshell is this. We had a debt to pay. And that is where the lack of peace comes from. We have this unsettling of our spirit when we know who we should be and who we are doesn't match up. And yet God died on the cross for that lack of peace. We have this tension in ourselves that we know we're not who we're supposed to be. And that tension should be filled with God. He sent his son to die for us. He bought that tension. And the reason he bought that tension is because he's the only one who can do something with it. He's the only one who can help us close the gap between who we are and who we should be. And we try to own that tension. We have a lack of peace. Now, please understand, again, I want to explain I'm not saying that you get just to do whatever you want and say God said it was okay. What I'm saying is this, is struggling 
with moving forward because we feel stuck in our brokenness. That is the lack of peace that God died for. And in Romans 8, it says this, in verse 33, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, for it is written, for your sake we're being put to death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, and all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's the scripture saying? It's saying two things. First, Jesus is the one who has the right to declare you finished because he bought you. And he doesn't do that. It says in verse 34, Christ Jesus is the one who has the right to say it's finished, but rather he sits at God's right hand and says, no, give them another chance. So when that lack of peace in you that's saying you are a failure, you have messed up, and that anxiety, that stress, that condemnation begins to take us spiraling, remind yourself that Christ died so you could settle your soul and say, hey, I know I'm struggling with, I know I have a lack of peace because, I know I'm avoiding making a good decision because, I know, I know, I know, but at the end of the day, Christ Jesus died so we could settle our soul. And the second one is this, is it does not matter what is taking away your peace. It does not matter what is taking away your peace. For some of us, it's a relationship we know we're supposed to end. For some of us, it's a relationship we should start. For some of us, it's a life decision we've been avoiding. For some of us, it's a step of faith we don't think is going to work out well. It really doesn't matter what it is. God's peace transcends our circumstance. God's peace transcends our trouble. God's peace transcends our issues. He is in the issue. He is in the business of settling our souls. Because he understands this, when he can get our soul settled is when we can start moving forward. It's when our soul is settled that we begin to cement our direction. It's when our soul is settled that we begin to make good decisions. I would encourage you to get at peace with yourself. And ask yourself the question, why am I not at peace with myself? What is the thing within me that's holding me back from settling my soul? And then please give that to God. God is the only one who can transform it and work it for good and help you settle your soul. I want to end a little differently tonight. I want us to grab two or three people in just a second that we're really comfortable and willing to be open with. Again, I want you to get people that you're willing to be open with. And I want you to answer these two questions. Number one is this. What is robbing me of my peace? What is robbing me from having my soul settled? And number two is this. What do we have a peace about, but we aren't acting on? In essence, what's the tough decision, the tough situation, the tough conversation we know we should be having, but we're scared to act on? So first one, what is robbing me of my peace? And number two, what's the tough decision I have peace about, but I haven't acted on yet? Why don't you grab a couple people, we'll talk for a couple minutes, and then we'll wrap up.
I just want to, I want to end and just pray. And then uh, you guys can keep chatting. But uh, dear Jesus, I pray that we would come to understand that peace has so much more to do uh, with the role you play in our lives than it does circumstance or emotion. And I pray uh, that we would have faith to step out in the things that we get a peace about. That was settling in our spirit. And that we would own those decisions and walk it out with with wise counsel, wise counsel and other people. And we thank you so much for how good you are in your name. Amen.